We've been journeying through the book of Judges, and uh, specifically, we are examining the life of Samson. We're going to be hearing from the same passage that we've heard from from a couple weeks here. God has been speaking to our hearts, and we pray that he will do that again this morning. And we are bringing to a conclusion this mini-series on Samson from the book of Judges. So if you're going to, if you're just joining us for the first time, we're continuing the conversation uh, uh, really hear about Samson and his life and lessons we can learn from his life. So I want to invite you again to the book of Judges, chapter 16. We're going to be looking at verse 4 through verse 20. So if you're physically able to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'll be reading the first verse. If you could read the next verse and lift your voices loud, and we're going to fill God's house with God's word. Judges chapter 16, verse 4 says this. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong, and what it would take to tie you up securely. She tormented him. Imagine that. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. And Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And so what can we learn from the life of Samson? Samson, if you're new, he was like an avenger, like an Old Testament adventure there, like the cartoon there, but an adventure that lost his cape. So you look at this guy, he's this rogue, crazy, do his own thing, operates by his own rules. And the past two Sundays, we've been looking at his life. Uh, we have been challenged, we've been convicted, as the scripture has been speaking to us about the life of Samson, and this dysfunctional relationship that he had with this one really bad mama named Delilah. And so we look at this as a cautionary tale here, and we hear what Samson would say to us uh, today. So we're going to be unpacking one final and critical episode. Uh, we're going to look at it from this point of view. How can we make Samson's story not replicate to be our story? The reality is this is a story that is so could be so uh, deleterious, so devastating, so damaging, so detrimental to any one of our lives. It's a story, really, elements of it that could handicap you, like Samson, from God's desires for your life. Uh, we have seen that at all Samson is regarded as the strongest man in the Bible. It really, uh, it's not the victories of his strength that speak to us so much as the victories of his weaknesses. So he has all the markings of a superhero, uh, and the Spirit of God began to stir Samson. He was set apart by God. Uh, he's chosen by God. He's raised to honor God. He has his her godly heritage, godly parents, parents who dedicated him to God. Uh, and we talked about how it doesn't really matter how you begin your life that matters most, but how you end your life. And Samson is a reminder that we see daily in life where people can be gifted with great gifts and great talents and great abilities and great blessings and never come to the place that God desires for their lives. 
We talked about how unless we deal with our problems, they're going to come back to haunt us again and again and again here. Now, think about your own life. Think about the circle of people in your own life that you know examples of people who they have great strengths and great abilities, and they could have been and they should have been, but then they end up not being what they could be because of weaknesses that undermine their life, just like Samson. So Samson then was called to be the military leader of a nation of Israel to lead the army there against the dreaded foe of the Philistines. And in preparation for that divine assignment, what God did then is God gifted him with his unprecedented uh, physical strength, where no one could ever defeat Samson. But in spite of his great physical strength, Samson never lives up to the full call of God upon his life. His weaknesses are fully and painfully exposed and on display, and they come to their greatest expression in the relationship with Delilah. Now, how many people know Delilah is one of those names you would never name your kid, right? Uh, and so Delilah uh, is a woman then that seduces him ultimately, but we need to see that Samson is public enemy number one. And the Philistines are absolutely sick and tired of this Philistine, uh, the Philistines not being able to overtake him. And they recognize this. There's only one way we can take him down. We can never physically take him down. The only way we can take him down is if we got a Philistine woman that he has a great weakness for to seduce him and find out the secret of his incredible power. Perhaps she could get him to divulge the secret and so she lures him and tricks him and traps him and works him and manipulates him. So ultimately then, although he held up for a while, he finally begins to crumble. And now these most devastating, everybody look at the screen, everybody look up at the screen with me. Watch this, what the Bible says in Judges 13, 16. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What a sad reality, what a tragic reality that can actually happen to people today. See, if we could recognize the depth of the staggering implications of this statement here, which, by the way, is meant to fill our hearts with unease, that we might look anew at a perspective of our life with new clarity and wisdom, uh, because we just read about Samson, the worst day in his life that he did not know that the Lord was not with him, that the Lord had left him. So this is a sobering reality and a sad tragedy that still happens today. The frightening reality is this. You can live your life in such a way that you wake up one day to discover that the Lord is not with you. Who does not want to hear such words like that? I mean, really, people, nature is you want to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, and God will always have my back. But this verse reminds us that you cannot forever um, take for granted God's grace. You cannot forever abuse the mercy of God like Samson did. You cannot decide to willfully sin and disobey God and tell yourself that God will always have your back. Stampson's story tells us that there comes a time when you can find out that the Lord is no longer with you. And hear me because 
uh, it's not that God has left you. It's because you have chosen to walk away from God. And I get it. People will, people will argue they don't, don't like that posture and say, oh, but his grace is sufficient. True. His mercy will follow me all the days of my life. True. He will never leave me nor forsake me. True. But consider this. Consider David after his escapades with Bathsheba. What was the one thing that he said but, Lord, you can do whatever you want, but please don't do this one thing. Don't take your spirit from me. Why would he pray that? Why would Paul say to the church here at Rome, in Romans 1.28, that you can be disobedient for so long that God can actually give you over to a reprobate mind? In other words, you can keep on insisting and insisting and insisting on your sin that ultimately God allows you to come face to face with the consequences of your sin. And you can reach a place where you are so full of disobedience and so full of of what you want whenever you want it, as long as you want it, that God says, okay, that's how you want to be. Well, you're so dead set on living in your sin that I'm going to stay right here, and you can go there, but I'm not going with you. I'm going to stay right here, and I'll be here if you turn around and want to come back, but I'm not going to go with you as long as you you are so ferociously determined to do what you want and live in sin. And you can wake up like Samson one day and realize the Lord is not with you. So this really is a very sobering reality, isn't it? But not only that, it is a sad tragedy. See, one thing that Samson did not know it, he did not know that the Lord was with him. Okay, that's sad. But it's another level of tragedy when you wake up and you think that God's hand is on you and God's hand is nowhere on you. What a tragic place to be thinking that God is with you when God is not with you. Sad reality, but also a tragedy. So let me allow to unpack for you this morning three reasons why Samson was brought down. Three reasons why people can wreck their lives. Number one is this. Samson was fixated on his feelings, and he ignored the facts. Samson was fixated on his feelings and ignored the facts. I wonder if that could ever happen to you. I wonder if that could ever happen to me. Could somebody please help me out with this? Because if you think, like, that's not a reality uh, that could infiltrate your life. Let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Have you ever in your lifetime ignored, for example, the sticker price of something because you say to yourself, well, I need that. I want that. You know, it smells good. It looks good. You know, that new car is $95,000. But you can be fixated by what you want, and you could you could... You can be ignoring of the facts. How about on the new diet there, where you look at, you think like, well, that's going to add a few calories to my diet. But your feelings convince you just one bite. Come on, somebody. Come on. And so you see here that with Samson, when you're consumed by your feelings alone, without the anchor of the facts, you can make decisions like Samson did. All feelings with no facts will lead you to make bad decisions. That's what the dynamic that's at place here. So watch what goes down. Three times, 
Delilah says to Samson, hey, tell me, tell me the source of your strength, the secret of your strength. And when Samson meets Delilah, he knows she's no good. Watch this. The very first words out of her mouth is this, chapter 16, verse 6. How can I find you and afflict you? And then she goes on to do the very same thing. How can I set you up? Baby, how can I mesh you up? And Samson, of course, starts playing with her and toying with her and toying with sin and gets desensitized to the sin here. And I think this is a good place to insert Romans 13, 14 to, to make no provision for the flesh, which he was deliberately doing over and over again. Uh, and this should be your heart to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Uh, and so make no allowance, which he was deliberately doing here, knowing that the enemy Delilah wants to, to mess him up and mess us up. But unlike Samson, our attitude should be, you know, I don't want to just, you know, have a feel-good moment there. I don't want to have a, a illicit pleasure there with the laptop. I don't want to have to endure the shame of, of, of the next day here. I don't want just a couple days, in my, uh, a season of, of pleasure there, and then pay the price for that. The Bible warns us, and Corinthians says, look, beware, because this can happen to you. So Samson thought, well, I'm strong enough, and I can handle it, you know. And, uh, and for a long time in his life, certainly that he could. But watch, his toying with sin long enough desensitized him enough then that it led up to being his undoing. And we think we'll know sometimes when we, we go too far. Uh, uh, but when do people really know when they've gone too far there? And so not realizing the disorienting and binding and habitual enticement and power of being hypnotized by sin. That's what happens to Samson. So what does he do when he's with Delilah? Well, he lies to her. Of course he lies to her. But watch the power of sin. Because every time Delilah lies to Samson, he knows exactly what uh, he's li she's lied to him about. He sees the pattern developing, and she, she would do exactly as he would tell her time after time after time, and then he would wake up, see what she did. There's the Philistines. Deal with that. So round one, she says, hey, baby, tell me where your strength come from. Said, well, if you, you just tie me up there. He wakes up. He's tied up, and he breaks it off, and he laughs, and he thinks, yeah, I, I, can, I can play this game. Samson knows Delilah tight, and then round two, Baby, where does your strength come from? Again, being slowly desensitized there. Same scenario, just different, different deal. Again there, where does your strength come from? Well, if you know, you braid my hair. And so uh, there's the Philistines ready to attack, and he deals with them again. And he knows she's up to no good. But he's doing it again and again. And he knows that she's setting me up. He knows that she's trying to take my strength. He knows that she's lying to him, and she's no good, and he keeps going down the road. And you see the deception of sin there, knowing that there's this established pattern, and he's ignoring the pattern here. And now what happens is that Delilah flips the script. What I want us to see here is, she says, if you only love me. Come on, somebody, you know that works. And so she says, if you only loved me, 
Because if you loved me, and how many people now know he's really in trouble, and Delilah, watch, drives Samson to get in touch with his feelings. Notice he's ignoring the fact, ignoring the fact, ignoring the fact. Now, do, do, do you love me? Now he's beginning to get in touch and kind of thinking about his feelings. You, you, baby, you know that I love you. You know, a baby doll, you know I love you. And you know how much I love you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the truth. And so I'm going to be honest with you. And he spills it and he tells her. And now it's, it's game over. And you see here that like people today, Samson ruins his life. Not all at once, but incrementally, little by little here. It shows us that people can ruin their lives one little step at a time. And Samson allows the emotion of love that he feels, watch, to override the truth that he knows about Delilah. Samson's feelings of love, watch, cause him to ignore the facts, caught up in his emotions, causing him to ignore the facts, even though he knows She's full of deception. She's no good. She's a masterful manipulator. He ignores all of that there because he's blinded by his feelings. And how many times feelings cause us to, be, to ignore the fact? Having feelings, watch, watch. doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. But when you allow your feelings to override the facts about truth, the Delilahs of life will get you. Listen to me, friends. Your feelings can be real. They can be deep. They can be powerful. They can be your reality. They can be all that you know. But feelings are not always true, as the story tells us here. Feelings are not always aligned with facts, especially biblical facts. Feelings can be misleading. Feelings can change. You can drown in an ocean of feelings if your heart, if your life is not anchored to something of truth to keep you afloat. So let's think about this. Think about this in light of Scripture. Is there anywhere in Scripture that the Bible says that you are to, to anchor your life on your feelings? No, ne God never reveals his will to you through emotions. How does God speak? He doesn't speak through your emotions. God speaks through his word. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through wise counsel. God speaks through, through dream dreams, Joel chapter 2. God speaks through creation. God speaks many ways, the still small voice, but where does God speak through emotions in the scripture? See, because your emotions can't be trusted. The Bible says in James, it says, uh, if any man, if any man is tempted, okay, uh, it says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, it's always driving you back to what you know to be true of God. Not feeling this, but knowing this. You always have to get back to what you know is true of God. So every now and then, feelings need to be injected with a, a good dose of the facts. So, so let me illustrate for you. So you know this one, trust in the Lord with all your emotions. No, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your, to your emotions, to your understanding. Okay, don't trust feelings in the heat of the moment because they're going, they can lead you incorrectly. In all your ways, acknowledge him, not acknowledging your feelings, acknowledging him and he'll direct your path. And so when you feel you cannot handle a situation or circumstances, it may be tumultuous, whatever, you recognize, but I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me, and you face crazy circumstances which feel like they're never going to come to an end, and then you recognize, but weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. When you feel like uh, life is too much and I, and I can't do another day, you recognize all things work together for the good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So see, you need facts to balance your feelings. There was also something that Samson needed. It didn't happen. Samson needed a prayer. He prays later, but Samson needed a prayer now. He needed a prayer in chapter 14. He needed a prayer in 15, but he waits till chapter 16 at the end of his life there. And he, should have, he could have prayed, Lord, uh, when Delilah is doing her thing, Lord, I need you to open my eyes. God, I need your wisdom. Lord, I need you to show me the truth of my situation as you see my situation. I need you to show me my life as you see my life. Show me what I'm dealing with. Show me the root of what I'm dealing with. Show me the deception of, uh, that I'm dealing with. If I have to walk away, let me walk away. Lord, if I'm not to be in this, help me not to be in this. Lord, it shouldn't be my plan. I want your plan for my life. Lord, help me to see the truth. Help me to see the facts here. No such prayer. He ends up following his own feelings here, not following the facts. And so Samson falls to Delilah because he ignores the facts and he's consumed by his feelings. Can I give you reason number two? In the house, anybody? In the tent, can I give you reason number two? Perhaps we need a little more coffee this morning, all right? So reason number two why Samson fell, number one, he's fixated on his feelings. This one should hit somebody. Samson was brought down because, watch, everybody look at the screen again, everybody look at the screen. His desire for Delilah was deeper than his devotion to God. His desire for Delilah was deeper than his devotion to God. In Samson, we see one who was destined to be a hero of Israel, a superhero, and yet he yearned after a woman that he never yearned after God. He longed after a Philistine woman, an object of his obsession that he never learned, yearned for God. And when you put a person that you think you love above your relationship with the Lord, you have a problem. You have an idle problem. And the problem with Samson was, is that he put way more energy into chasing Philistine woman than he does in chasing or pursuing God. And any time you put anyone or anything above your relationship with the Lord, the reality is you have an idolatry problem. Idolatry is when you put, give anything or anyone more priority, more attention, more love, more devotion, more resources to that than you give to God. So you know what that means? Your job can be an idol. I grew up in a home where work was an idol, where work was prioritized over worship. And there you have an idol. For some people, children become an idol. A relationship become an idol. Your body can become an idol. Social media can become 
an idol or consumed about how many people retweeted the next morning and liked your picture on Instagram or your post on Facebook or whatever, and you're just so consumed with it, giving your, your life, your time, your energy to that. And so uh, reason number three, Samson was not only fixated on his feelings, ignored the facts, he was not only his desire for Delilah was greater than his devotion, but number three is this. Samson did not understand that the Lord was the source of his strength. See, he misplaced this. It wasn't his long hair that caused uh, him to have his strength, but it was God's strength on him. I want to show you a few scriptures here because we can come to the conclusion that Samson's strength was not located in his hair. Why? Because the Bible says over and over again, when Samson manifested great strength, it was the Spirit of the Lord that came upon him, that came mightily upon him. So watch before he killed the lion there in Judges chapter 14, verse 6, says that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Nothing to do with his hair, but God empowered him, and then he ripped that thing apart. And then we see again, uh, the second time Samson uses his strength to kill 30 men from Ashkelon there in Judges 14, 19, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him again, and he, and he dusted 30 uh, uh, Philistines. And then a third time, Samson uses his great strength there, Judges chapter 15, verse 14, and the Spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon him again, nothing to do with his hair, and Samson spat, smashes uh, a thousand Philistine soldiers with a jawbone of a donkey here, and again, it is the Spirit of the Lord. So we see that every single time, the source of his strength was never his hair. God showed up every time that Samson needed him in a mighty way here. And the vow of a Nazarite there is, is, is descriptive and exemplary of his consecrated relationship and devotion to God there. But Samson finally realizes the source of his strength at the end of his life. When Samson is about to die and he's chained between two pillars there in the temple of Dagon and has his eyes gouged out and he's, he's humiliated and he's blinded. And watch how he prays, recognizing the source of his strength. And Samson prayed, and by the way, we know no matter how bad we've screwed up, messed up, never too late to play. And he prays to the Lord, O sovereign Lord. He says, O sovereign Lord, remember me again. And he says, Please strengthen me just one more time, recognizing that it is the Lord that is strengthening him. And sometimes the only prayer, how many people know, but sometimes the only prayer that works is, Lord, just give me strength. How many people know what I'm talking about? Where you just need to pray, you don't know what else to pray, like Samson completely devastated and ruined his own life. But at the end, he gets enough clarity. And he gets his right mind again, and his hair begins to grow. The grace of God becoming uh, to its expression in his life again. He says, Lord, uh, give me strength one more time. And sometimes that's what you need to pray. Lord, just give me strength for the journey. Lord, just give me strength to fight this, this one more battle. If you're a Christ follower and you, you acknowledge that, just like Samson here, when you recognize that God is your source, he will give you the strength every time. How many people know Isaiah 40, verse 31? But those who trust in the Lord will what? Will renew their strength. 
See, his eyes now, Samson, beginning to trust in the Lord again, and God renews his strength. He recognizes, prays, that God's strength would come to expression in his life. Now think about this. Think about this, how history would have changed had he had clarity on this just a little earlier. If Samson had identified that the Lord was a source of his strength when he was on Delilah's lap, she would have had nothing to cut. What is the source of your strength? Oh, the Lord? Put down the scissors. Imagine how his life would change had he had clarity on that. Imagine how your life would change if you had clarity on that. See, when I know that God is my source, here's the reality, friends. When I know that, I know things are going to be all right. I know that whatever comes my way, it's going to be okay. You see, today I'm speaking to somebody who needs to, to know that, that the Lord is, is your strength. And so back to Samson. He's playing with sin that left him in a place where his eyes have been gouged out, which tells us this. Remember, these things were written for us, that when we play with sin long enough, it's going to impact your vision. Your, your vision's going to get clouded. You're not going to be able to see life the same here. And, uh, uh, and so and it should cause us really to, to feel sick, the story there, uh, with a sense of, I don't want that to be my story. Doesn't have to be that dramatic of an ending, but the shades of it that can, that can overlap with your story. And in chapter 16, verse 22, tells us that his hair began to grow again. And I want us to see this because uh, as I was, as I was uh, processing this, I felt like I heard God's voice. And I felt like I heard God's voice for us. I felt like I heard God's voice for you. And here's what I felt like I heard. The good news is, is that Samson's story doesn't end with his eyes being gouged out. They don't end with Samson being screwing up his life. Because after he was taken out, he was given a fresh start again. Okay, it took Samson losing his sight to actually see his life as it really was. And the worst day of Samson's life turned out to be the best day of his life because he's broken, becomes humble, and now he begins to pray. And Samson's hair begins to grow again, and his heart and his prayer now is focused on God. And even though he's blind, he begins to see a strategic opportunity. And on the final day of his life, he gets one last opportunity. He sees a hole and he goes for it. And I'm telling you then that Samson pushed down some pillars there. And in one moment, he killed more Philistines than he did in 20 years of his life here. Watch. His hair began to grow again, which tells us this. It's never too late. What I want to say to you is this, is that your greatest days can come after your biggest failures. Well, like Samson, you've got to humble yourself. You have to surrender your heart to God. And he would uh, yet say, I've gained everything, but in this, in this moment, I'm gaining everything. His hair began to grow, watch, 
again. Look at the word again. See, it is a dynamic. It is a dynamic, watch. But look at that. His hair began to grow again. That is a dynamic that is a reality in the life of every Christ follower. Watch, watch, watch. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whoever you've been with, whatever you put in your body, whatever you've done, there is an again for you. Like there was an again for Samson. That's what I felt that the Lord speak to me. I said, we need to recognize there is an again in your life. No matter how dark, no matter what you've done, there is an again in your life there. 